0: Spanning the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear, from comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between, it's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Battaglia. Welcome to episode 36 of Down and Nerdy This Week, where two guys that are absolutely positively withdrawing their name from consideration as the job of Fish Mooney's umbrella holder.
1: That and, uh, you know, but our, our names are still in that Hunger Games Bowl, and, you know, god damn it, I, you know, we get passed over every year so we luck out, but this year might be the year that one of us gets chosen, though, James.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, one of us would be kind of a distinct disadvantage in that regard.
1: Yes it would it would be you it's, it's yes. it would be clearly be you,
0: absolutely, because you know the survival instincts for me not so much.
1: I don't think I would do good in the woods. I was a boy scout, so I have that advantage. I know how to make one type of knot and um yeah. My citizenship in the world badge really will do me some good.
0: I will say that I did not—I was not a Boy Scout, but I do have tracking skills because I did have a couple family members that actually lived in like the woods when I lived in New Hampshire. So I've—I've got some skills. Just you know, me, me, and you know, there's just certain things I don't think I'd be able to do, but. We are robots. By...
1: We haven't introduced ourselves. I'm James Witham, on one side. <laughs> Nick Battaglia, the Merc with one arm. We just kind of jumped right in. And, we you know. did. Now, by tracking skills, you sure it wasn't doing like what I did? It was, was uh, walking around the backyard and just pretending you're a dinosaur. That wasn't really, you know, those type of tracking skills. Well, of course I did
0: that. But no, actually, in the woods, I'd, I'd, I've, I've actually been taken hunting a couple of times when I was younger and, right. you know, learning the signs and tracking and and hiding from plain sight and all that crap. Yeah, I, I learned all that stuff.
1: Right. It's, it makes sense. You know, got to train well, got to train well for the but yeah, uh, uh, Whoever is Fishman's umbrella holder, um, you're fucked. It's like being the red shirt in Gotham.
0: It really is. So that now, now, well, I mean, of course, Oswald survived, but that poor guy, did not, and now whoever's next up, maybe she'll just hold her own damn umbrella, and you know what that'll mean? That's that would mean she's next.
1: <laughs> maybe she get Fonsworth Bentley. If you don't know who that is, people will just look it up. Yeah, he's just... like he's no, he seems like really know like, known for like being the umbrella holder and just doing that kind of stuff for like a lot of famous people.
0: I would think that uh, maybe she can get one of those guys on in New York City that twirls the umbrellas and stuff you know, that sells them <laughs> on the street corner or something like that. Let's get one of those guys.
1: Maybe she's just obsessed with singing in the rain. It's like, you know what? I, I need that umbrella holder like 24-7 pretty that's, much. That's
0: got to be it. Actually, you know, it's funny because you and I were talking about um, about Gotham a couple days ago uh, as we were preparing for the show, and I was saying that there was something about Gotham that I don't think a lot of people have picked up on, and, and that's that... The show is really kind of laying the groundwork for how Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know, slash Batman isn't necessarily responsible for all the evil that came upon Gotham, because I know that's been a great nerd debate over the years.
1: Yeah, it's not, it shows that the police corruption and the politicians in general, you know, are the main reason. I mean, we've seen it in multiple episodes, actually every episode, where the cops have something, you know, like, was to get information. You know, they say, "Well, let this gangster, or whatever, run this and uh, business as usual." But they need to give us information when we come asking for it. Or as in the last episode, there's a you know a black market doctor, and he gives us information. But they take him in, and one of the cops is like, "Well, what the hell?" He's like, "I got thing with this guy." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, that was until he lied to us," and it's like. It's sad because – it's also sad because you see Jim Gore wants to do right. He wants to make sure things are clean, but you just know everything is not. Nothing's ever going to be clean, you know, whatever. And the fact that we're seeing Harvey Bullock, you know, in the comics, he's been the one that he struggled with. Do I, you know, follow Jim? Is he my partner? Am I understudied? Or do I, you know, be my – you know, the guy I've been and be close with the mob and everything else for certain reasons? And it's really – Shown like hey, you know, Gotham has been fucked for many years. You know, before Batman, it's always been corrupt, it's always been dirty. You know, but can I say that to everybody has been doubting Alfred, saying, Oh, this is a bad oh, Alfred? Wow, I'm sorry, but you, you know, we, we were texting each other when you know the other night, and you said, This is the Alfred we deserve, like, this is the mm-hmm. Alfred we should have gotten. It's the special forces father type Alfred. I mean, this scene when you know, he gives Breeze, like, This is your father's watch. And he's like, and, you know, in time he goes, oh, he tried to kill me. He goes, that's right. And now you remember I let him try to kill you. I know. That, like, that gave me chills, man. It's that like, really gave me chills. It's like, I wish Alfred was my father. I really do. <laughs> that would be a <laughs> very know?
0: interesting dynamic, having as Alfred as your father.
1: Well, and to know that, like, hey, can you, Bruce goes to Alfred goes, can you teach how to fight? I goes, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're going to get that special forces Alfred, you know, that's been lewd to,
0: and and this is where it all starts too. I like the fact that we're not just going with the with the Bruce Wayne that trained with uh, with the League of Assassins, and and, and you know I had to go overseas to train. We're actually getting his initial training as a child with Alfred teaching him how to fight, and I think that's just
1: cool, man. Well, yeah, and like I said, it, it presents a father element for Bruce. Like you know, it'd be it'd be weird seeing Alfred as distant or as just the butler type if we see him as Bruce got older, mm-hmm. you know, it's important to see him as his father figure as he is, because like I said, it's, you know, he, we've seen where Bruce is getting his detective skills from with okay. Alfred and, you know, it sets up in a sense when Bruce does become Batman. Hey, I had this guy, Alfred who I confided in since my parents murder and to help me be detective and everything else. So it's kind of like it's paying off in dividends, really, really much so. And you know, you like say you look at what they're doing with the GCPD and it's just like it's just sad. And it's like it really is. There's potential to really help Gotham, but you're just they're just letting their own corruption and everything else. And it just shows like the mob mentality has mm. the thing. And and to people saying, well, you know, these people aren't gonna die, this and that, it's like, yeah. But that doesn't mean that, like I said, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be tension or whatever. You know, I mean, it, it's a great tension builder show. And, you know, when you watch Flash, and I just watched Arrow last night, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we're getting this gritty thing. And I'm glad that the Flash is not as gritty. Because I'm, no, not at all. Because the thing is, there are certain shows that are gritty. My thing is this not everything needs to be good. Gr- I think they're doing too much gritty stuff. Like we just, they're just being dark just to be dark. There's more ways you can have a fun movie. Like, for example, like an Avengers, you can have a fun movie like that, but you don't, have, you know, it get the adult audience. That's what I think the thing is, I think comic book companies are seeing, Hey, you know, these people who've read our books, you know, as kids are now adults, we got how can we you know tribute and give them something to, to watch or, or whatever. And it's like well, let's be dark. And it's like that's not always the first thing as we're seeing with that shitty Fantastic Four reboot. Oh yeah, you know the whole gritty. Oh, it's like no, Fantastic Four is literally probably one of the most, if not the most, lighthearted.
0: You it know, should be
1: anyway. fun. You know, comics, other than the fact that they're dealing with their powers and stuff like that, outside of that realm, but it's really one of the, the fun, comic, brighter comics, and they're like, oh, we want to make a, a- darker. It's like, no, you're doing it wrong, assholes, but as wear everything else. I
0: think that's kind of one of the mistakes that they've been making with Amazing Spider-Man as well, is that they, they've tried to make it darker than it is, and and even when, even in the scenes where uh, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker is trying to joke around, and even in the Spidey suit, it doesn't come off that way, you know? It doesn't no. come off as, as funny and, and light-hearted like we know Peter Parker can be.
1: This comes off as, I don't know who my parents are. Man! You know, yeah, it's, it's like, like a douchey kind of thing. You know, it's 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 like my I, my parents loved me as a child. I'm gonna be a dick to my aunt. You know, my uncle died, and you know, man, like it's, it's like it's it's you know what it reminds me of in today's society. It's that me 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 culture mm-hmm. that we're seeing. I understand. With, with, yeah, with, with Andrew Garfield Spider Man's like looking like it's not, you know it's not like oh look at me look at me. It's more like. Like, me! It's all about me! I, You know, kind of like that. It's just, it's, listen, not from a look-at-me angle, but it's like everything, His actions. Is I know just, what you mean. It's, it's I, I understand self-centered.
0: I think that actually DC's finding a good balance right now with what they've got going on TV. They've got the suspense of Gotham, they've got the greediness of Arrow, and they've got the more light-hearted, you know, in sometimes funny Flash. And I think that they're kind of trying to give you a little bit of everything. And, I mean, let's face it, as a superhero property, it can't be you know, funny all the time. And we, right. we know that. I mean, like even Guardians of the Galaxy, which is probably the most humorous of all the superhero slash geek kind of movies, that wasn't funny all the time. So no. I think that Marvel did a great job with that. And I think that I think that once DC gets into their cinematic universe too, they're going to find that niche where they can say, okay, we could be funny here and make something a little bit more humorous. But I mean, having it be gritty, I agree with the whole gritty for the sake of gritty thing. And I think that that... A lot, and you know, I think Marvel and DC are both guilty of that in uh, in their properties. It's, uh, at certain
1: points. So before we move on to what we did this weekend, uh, or this week actually, or whatever, uh, th- we talked about the Flash. Don't without spoiling it. Thoughts on the end of the this this week's episode?
0: I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm just at the point where I can't wait for, <laughs> for what's going to happen. Yeah. I can't wait for that reveal. I think that. You know how there's certain things, like, kind of like the Godzilla movie, where, right. uh, to a le- and, and very much to a lesser extent, I'll say that, you, you want that reveal of, you know, what's Godzilla going to look like? I can't wait for that episode where we find, finally find out what, hmm, hmm, looks like. You yeah. know, I can't, I can't wait to see that because I not only do I want to see how they're going to do it, I want to see how, how big are they going to go with it.
1: Yeah, I, I know. I can't wait for him to see what Joe Chill looks like. I really can't <laughs> wait for it at all. I really can't. Um, no, I, I was like, oh, my God. Because the thing is, the whole mystery throughout the show, I think they've done a great job with this, is who is Harrison Wells? Mm-hmm. Like, like, who is he? Some people are saying, well, he might be Barry from the future. I think he's reverse Flash. Because um, in the comics, it was kind of like he was that kind of overlook for Barry. Like his reason why he did the particle accelerator was to create more metahumans like Mm -hmm. himself. So I think that Harrison Wells isn't his real name. I can't think of the name. I I totally agree. It's not his real name. It's not his real name. It's somebody else. Like it's the, the, whoever the doctor was, it was professor zoom. That's who I think he is. That's who I think Harrison Wells really is. I don't think it's Barry from the future. I think it's, it's professor zoom slash reverse flash. There, and what, they said, and they actually said that, I think it was episode 9, there was a, a thing that came out actually moments ago that said, I think it was episode 9, we're going to get a look at Reverse Flash and Professor Zoom.
0: I know that they had a, uh, a first look, some, uh, first lick, first look uh, that somebody snapped where they were during the, uh, during the filming. Right. Uh, somebody actually snapped a photo of uh, Professor Zoom, which is kind of ironic considering he's supposed to be fast. Somebody got a picture of him uh in costume. So it doesn't look like Tom Kavanaugh slash you know, Harrison it, Wells, but that doesn't it, mean it has to either
1: remember this is Barry's in his what twenties now. Mm-hmm. So this is twenty some odd years ago. So Harrison Wells so he's like in his what, in his forties, so about the time that Barry's mom died, he was probably around twenty something years old. That's
0: true. So it could it could there could be some of that going on there as well. Uh I don't know. I almost feel like that would be that's kind of too easy to say, yeah, it's gotta be him. But, I mean, it certainly could be. It it makes sense. I just want to see, you know, because eventually there's going to be that big reveal of who this guy is. And I want to know how long they're going to wait to do that. I just think that they've done such a great job with The Flash so far. I'm really impressed with how. And and same thing with Gotham. I kind of like how they're both uh, doing a slow build. And not making things uh, it's a slow burn complicated, you know
1: it's a, in film, you know it's that slow burn to mm. like what's gonna happen like you know fish you know like you know fish movies get what's coming to her, mm. you know, you know you know, I'm gonna say spoiler, you know that Falcone knows that she's plotting against him, because And we also know that he's s- working with penguin
0: we also know. Several years down the line, again, spoiler alert, but if you read comics, this should be no spoiler for you, that Falcone and Penguin end up bitter enemies at some point. Oh, my God, yes. So, if, you ba-
1: if you read Batman Eternal in, like, the first 15 issues, mm-hmm. it is that, you know, Falcone and uh, uh, Penguin have that, that. Ba- I mean, Falcone blows up the fucking Iceberg Lounge yep. in like, one of the issues of Batman Eternal, so.
0: Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, I, we just kind of wanted to do a little side thing and talk about Gotham a little bit because we were discussing it and just how great things have been going. So, if you're not watching it, damn it, but, get on that.
1: By the way, we are trying to get John Barrowman on the show. We're trying to get was it Robin Lord Taylor? Robin Lord Taylor, yep. on the show as well. So, to get help us get them on the show, tweet them, Facebook them, say hey, these guys do a great podcast. They want to have you on. You should be on. You should be on it. Um, you know, we've reached out to them. And uh, just, if you want these guys on our show, just help out and just send them a message saying, hey, you know, you should be on Down and Nerdy.
0: Let me give you an example because uh, we all remember that Pop Man was at Tidewater Comic Con uh, this past October. Well. One of the reasons they were able to get Pop Man to come to Tidewater Comic-Con is they did a, hey, let him know that you want him to be at Tidewater Comic-Con, and his likes on his Facebook page went way up, people were messaging him and posting on his wall and tweeting him, and he's like, you know what, I need to go to this con con then, because apparently there's a lot of people that want me there. Well, if you do the same thing with John Barrowman, Robin Lord Taylor, let them know, hey, we want to have you on Down and Nerdy because we think these you'd have a lot of fun with these guys and we want to hear what you have to say. You know, bombard these guys. I have no shame. Bombard them. Tell them we want them on the show.
1: Well, plus, like I said, you look at, you know, when we do interviews with Drew Moss or Colin Bunn or Terrell Dactyl, we always get asked that follow-up, like, you know, hey, how you know, did you enjoy yourself? And they always message us, say, hey, mm-hmm. we had, I had fun. Like, this was totally different. Like, like, Drew Moss even said, he was just, he's like, when he was on with us, it was one of the, Best interviews he's done because it was just different. You know, it was, it, it was that like different feeling you know and vibe
0: just think about like if you heard our interview with cullen bunn and one of the things he said during the interview is where do you guys get these questions yeah right we ask we ask (laughs) stuff that nobody else is gonna ask and we like to have as much fun with people as possible because to us you know they're they're they're, they play characters that we love but to us they're just regular guys and we're regular guys and we like to have fun and talk about weird shit so you know it's just fun
1: for us to be able to to do that with them yep but as always, James, it's time to talk about what we did this week and this weekend. So I'll kick it off because I went to Geek Trivia last night at Damon Buster's, and who we love, by the way. Oh, very much so. And uh, so had yeah, Geek Trivia was presented by Video Game Heaven and uh, Blockbuster Pod, the Blockbuster Podcast. Um, and uh, you know, I went there, and, and you know, a listener of ours was there as well. And uh, so thanks for him coming out and everything else, and. It was fun, you know, you know uh, mingled with some new people, got some new followers, got some new fans, you know, and it was really fun. Some of the questions were really difficult, though. Like, it was, it was you know, uh, some stuff like, 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 I am, we are nerds, but you yeah. had to be like on Cody's level to answer some of these questions. G- give me an example. Um, one was what uh, the Family Com or FamCom in Japan, also known as NES, what was the first game to have uh or first game CD to have internal memory? Oh my god. That's crazy. Yeah. That was the first question in round one. It was again, it was the fam I believe I probably butchering the name of the the, the console, but it was the fam in Japan, which was in the America, was the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm-hmm. What was the first game to have an or first, disc to have an internal memory unit.
0: Oh my gosh, uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head now. That's that's a crazy question. Was it, um, was it Legend of Zelda? You were right, yeah. Hey, <laughs> right. I, I swear I didn't look that up or anything. I, I promise that was all right off the top of my head.
1: You're right, it was Legend of Zelda, like, so like, I mean, it was games it was like you know like they had some movie stuff like in pulp fiction what do they call a quarter pounder with cheese Ah, that's an easy one and you know and like you know it was multiple different questions it was great but it was great because whenever i landed on a comic question i was always like the first like because i was the team captain and by the way our team name was death to jar jar nice choice because uh the guys that we were uh, at the table with uh peter and i they were big star wars fans so i'm like let's i want to do something star warsy so i'm like oh that's the jar jar and when they said our name like people were laughing and everything so i was team captain and it was fun it was really it was a lot of fun good food you know good company it was lots lots of fun um yeah but i mean it, you know the questions were just some of the stuff was just like what my god like i don't even know you know and I guess like that's what? why they do it in teams. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the thing is, is they'll say this because you know they were saying like the more people you have in a team, the the better chance you have of winning. I think that's bullshit. You know, the less people you have, the better chance you have of winning because there's less people with opinions saying no, it's this, it's this. Like, you know, uh, one of the guys at our table, he was like, "I'm going with my gut on this one. It's you know the answer for it uh, for one of these questions is is this. I'm going with my gut." And he was, and we're like, okay. And, he's, and the we went with him because the past few times we didn't go with his gut, and he was right. You know, we got the questions wrong, and soon enough, we got the question fucking wrong. And I, it was uh, the question was, um, what Sega game was uh, uh, did they pretty much have the inspiration for based off of I think like Dragon Slayer, and I think. Double Dragon or something, and it was and I said Golden Axe, which it was, but the person said no, it's Streets of Rage. And it was Double Dragon, and like it was so it was, again, the question was what Sega based game was inspired by Double Dragon, and I think it was called Dragon Quest or Dragon Slayer, and I said and I said Golden Axe, and again he's like no, Streets of Rage, and I, and I went with him because Streets of Rage it had that Double Dragon aspect, right? He played it. But, but when he said the you know dragon the name of the dragon game I'm like it's got to be Golden Axe. I'm like it's got to be it was a beat 'em up and you know we got that wrong but we finished though we finished top outside of top five we believe we finished like around six or seven. It's respectable out of, out of 13 so I mean it wasn't bad for the first time it was a lot of fun I had a blast can't wait to do it again they're gonna do this was last night was actually the last time they're gonna do it for uh, for the year so I think they're gonna pick it back up in January oh nice um. But, yeah, I mean, you and a baby should, and a wife should come out. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. To you, the listener, like I said, we posted it last night, coming out. Thanks to, you know, Peter coming out and, and helping us and and, and uh, being part of the team and showing support and, you know, the show and just uh, being out there. And it's great. It was actually great because, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of, you know, because we do the podcast and David and Buster just loves us and they know us and everything else. And so I'm at the table and we're sitting, you know, conversing with the guys and everything else and, you know, and, and I, I, could ask for a picture. <laughs> they're like, "Hey, Nick, you know, I'm down, nerdy. You know, can I get a picture?" And I said, "Yeah." And the guys just look at me like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, like, like yeah. really? I'm like, "Yeah," you know, and you know, so you know, it, it was. Yeah, well, hey, I'm popular. <laughs> I yeah, I, I love that. I love that
0: Sam's a, a big fan of the show and yes. he's the, he's the guy that works at Dave and Buster's there and they, he does a fantastic job. Oh, he does. With with the events, they've got a lot of different events and uh, as a matter of fact, um speaking of Dave and Buster's, it's funny that you mentioned it because one of the things that happened to me over the last few days, of course you know I take care of the baby during the uh, during the day. Right, And, um, it was funny because he's just kind of started to, to hold things and grab onto things and, and really be aware of, of just random things. So one of the things I did when I was, uh, I was trying to get his attention is what one, uh, last time my wife and I were at Dave and Buster's, we won these, uh, superhero dolls for the baby. So we got a Batman, a Superman and a flash. Right. So I said, Jameson, you know, look at this, look at this in my daddy voice. And, um, he kind of looks over and it was, the, it was the flash one that I had and he just lit up his face lit up and he's <laughs> grabbing it and he was wanting to know what it was. And he's just studying it and laughing at it. And I'm like, okay, so my boy likes the flash. So <laughs> now I get to tell him when he gets older and he starts getting into the stuff more that, yeah, you were a flash fan from the start. So maybe that's what you're going to gravitate towards. And, and we got those from Dave and Busters actually.
1: I realized that we, ha- when I have a kid, it's going to be really like seeing how like your family is a DC family. And my one day down the road family is going to be in the Marvel family. Oh yeah. We're going to be like the Montagues and Capulets pretty much. That's
0: exactly what it's (laughs) going to be. It's going to be, it's going to be that kind of dynamic because, well, I mean, it's not that I don't love Marvel and you don't love DC, but I mean, if, if we're, if we're going heavy into, into one or the other, you're definitely more in Marvel and I'm more in DC. So yeah, I could definitely see that. And I could see our, our children arguing. Over over who could win a win a battle between like Batman and Thor or something like that later on down the
1: line. So yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean that was that was my weekend. And so James, like, what did you, what did you do? It was a, my
0: weekend was a lot of work. I had a, I was working pretty much all day uh, on Saturday and and got home and just kind of kind of crashed out because. Uh, what I do for, uh, for the football team on the weekends is it's kind of labor intensive. And I've right. been, uh, I hadn't done it in a couple of weeks. One week I, I didn't travel with the team and then they, and then they had an off week the, the week before that. So it had been like two weeks since I carried all this heavy stuff around and going up and down the stairs. So it's kind of rough, man. So you get home and you're, you're sore and you're kind of dehydrated even though you're pounding fluids. And so I just crashed out and then Sunday – uh, we just kind of, we cleaned up a little bit because if you, if you've got an infant in the house, one thing you right. realize is a lot of stuff falls through the cracks. Like even now the kitchen's kind of dirty and there's stuff kind of piled up on the table that I need to clean up. But I mean, when you have an infant around, it's, it's really difficult, especially, especially an infant that's having trouble sleeping during the day. He's, uh, he's not napping like he should be. So it's making him cranky. So, you know how when you don't get enough sleep, you know, you kind of get cranky, maybe you snap at people or something, you're, you know, your fuse is a little shorter. Well, imagine being a baby whose only means of communication is crying and screaming. And pooping. And, and, and so to express his frustration, he's been crying and screaming. So um, he's, he's doing a little bit better now. Hopefully that trend continues. But you know, we know as as new parents it's a process and you just have to keep trying different stuff and see what works.
1: Well that's gonna do it for what we did this week and this weekend. Coming up next, it's what we're reading. Stay tuned. Two new books. Stay tuned. Well it's that time, boys and girls, grab those bags and boards and grab those comics off their shelves because it's time to discuss what we're reading this week, James. And so I'm gonna go first. Now we always do comic books every week, pretty much. Oh, and yeah. I decided to do something different. Seeing how this show, we're going to talk about comic strips and just the history of them and our favorite comic strips, I decided to go with my hardcover Peanuts 2000 book this week. Ah, very nice. Very nice. And people wonder what the Peanuts... is first edition. This is actually my mom's... Well, it was my mom's. She actually gave it to me. Um, it's, you know, it's all about Charles Schultz. 50 years, he did Charlie Brown and he did the Peanuts strips. Um, this is pretty much a compilation of his work throughout the years. It's not his entire work, because if it was, it'd be like the size oh, of like... it would like, be gigantic. It'd be the size of like 20,000 Bibles, pretty much. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's, it was, of course, released in 2000. It's, it's kind of like his best stuff, I'll say. It's 167 pages, but it's all peanut strips, which is great. And what's great about it now, is published by Easton Press, and what's great about it, is like I said, the, as you can see, we're doing this through Skype, but as you can see, the hardcover is great. It's kind of got the gold outside pages. Nice. You know, when you hold it in your hands, you feel like you're holding not only history, but you're holding just, just, just great. You know, just great. It's like you just have this power that surges through you. And the best part of this book, as you flip through it, it has, like I said, all these peanuts, you know, things. And it's really in great condition too, which my mom, my mom, when she got it, she got this as a gift actually, um, years ago. when I was a little kid and, uh, You know, um, it sat on a shelf in our living room. She never, I never saw her open it. It was one. My parents are weird when you give them presents like this because, like my dad, I'll give him, like, my dad loves the Giants. I'll buy him, I buy him, like, a New York Giants Super Bowl DVD. Where is it? It's on the shelf, unopened. I'm like, Dad, I spent money buying this for you. Yeah, well, you never know it's collectibles. I'm like, it's not a collectible pop. It's a DVD. It's just like, a
0: DVD. Nobody's gonna be wanting to buy this for a thousand dollars down the road.
1: Yeah. But this Peanuts book, I'm like, my mom's like, she she's like, I don't she's like, I love peanuts. She goes, but I want you to have it, you know, because she's like, I know you're into this stuff. And she gave it to me. And like I said, I read I read a good amount of it. And it's it's It just brings me back to my childhood back and then they will get to this later in the show and our main topic, but it brought me back to when, you know. I was a little kid and even in high school um, you know when my dad and I had Sunday I mean my my parents were divorced I'd go to my dad's on the weekend and my dad and I we would um, you know he'd read the paper and I on Sunday when we' were eating breakfast and I read the comic strips and peanuts is always that top that front first page oh, above Garfield first strip you would read is peanuts and it's great now what's great about this too is is the ending. Now, as I mentioned, Schultz spent 50 years working, you know, doing, you know, Peanuts. And what's great about it is the last page, 167, it's the last peanut strip he's ever done. Oh, and wow. it's, for people who don't know it, I'll read it right now. It's Charlie Brown, first panel's Charlie Brown um, with a phone. And it's pretty much him holding the phone and saying, no, I think he's writing. And the next panel, it's Snoopy, and he's on typewriter. And below it's this huge panel with all these little smaller pictures of these just comic strips throughout the book. And it's it's his, Schultz's letter to fans of him stopping, to have them stop writing Peanuts. It's, I'll read oh, it wow. now. i read it now. This is dated February 13th, 2000. So this is pretty much the culmination of his work, like his best of work, and just his work in general. Like, this is like hand-picked by Schultz pretty much. And so, again, it's 213 2000 and it says, Dear Friends, I have been fortunate to draw Charlie Brown and his Friends for almost 50 years. It has been the fulfillment of my childhood ambition. Unfortunately, I am no longer able to maintain the schedule demanded by a daily comic strip. My family does not wish Peanuts to be continued by anyone else. Therefore, I am announcing my retirement. I have been grateful over the years for the loyalty of our editors and the wonderful support and love p- expressed to me by fans of the comic strip. Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, Lucy, how can I ever forget them? Charleston Schultz. Wow. When you read that, man, it's very powerful because it's like very rarely in books like this where you're kind of talking about where it's a summation of a person's works. Is there like a last like thank you kind of thing by the person themselves? So here's Schultz, and he's saying, thank you for everything you've done. You know, thank you for, you know, supporting me, but unfortunately I must retire. I must go after 50 years. And it's very, you know, you're trying to get emotional over it because it's like you're paging through these hard pages of this guy's work, and you're just like, a lot of us grew up as a kid reading, and to get to that final thing, it's like somebody dying at the end of a book. And it's like... I must go. Like I can't. You know, I'm. I'm. I. My health. Is, it didn't say like my health is in good shape, but pretty much what it, it was that where it's like I can't. Well, yeah. Go.
0: It's it's tough to be able to maintain that daily schedule. I mean, this is not a weekly comic. This is a daily strip. That's yeah. That's time consuming, and there's a, there's a lot involved there. What I think is great though is that, you know, so many times you see great creators like that, and they pass away suddenly or they pass away before they get the chance to do something like that because they're still working i like the fact that he was he was afforded the opportunity while he was still living to be able to write something like that as a thank you and kind of just pour out his heart and soul because way too often we don't get a chance to see that from from great minds like him
1: and i mentioned the eastern President and it was it was uh valentine books published the book and um it like says it was when you go through it, it's like you can tell just by that last panel that I just read, that last comic strip, these are like his hand-picked comics to go mm-hmm. to a book, like, you know, it is, and it, like I said, it was just one of those things where you got, you know, if you, you know, my book's a first edition, but if you can go out and get whatever edition you can, go buy Pants 2000, um, again, go buy Pants 2000, uh, it's, it's a fantastic book. It's, it's, like I said, it's your childhood, something into 167 pages.
0: It's funny. I actually have something very similar. I think it's called the golden collection or something like that. It's very similar where they yeah, yeah. picked, where you, they picked certain specific strips to go into. I, uh, it's um, very similar to what you have. It's very, it's a hardbound edition as well. And it, it's a great keepsake. And, and I can't wait to be able to share that with my son at some point, because I think we all kind of grew up with peanuts and we'll get into, uh, we'll get into strips a little bit more. Uh, in our main topic, because that's what we're talking about this week.
1: Yep. So your turn, James. What did you read this week? I know you were actually reading before we, <laughs> because you're, you've been busy, so I know you've been re- you were reading actually before we actually recorded today.
0: It, it's funny because, you know, the, the stuff got screwed up when I was supposed to do what I was reading, but it's going to be kind of a, a downer from, from, from the whole Peanuts thing, but I decided to go with uh, Sleepy Hollow number one. Wait, wait, wait! How can you get much more down?
1: I just read Charles Schultz. No, I mean, I pretty mean, pretty much doing the tip of the cap. Thank you for your time. No, I Maybe mean, like- it's 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 kind of <laughs> like it's not not a downer
0: in that sense, but a downer in the sense of it would be like going to see uh like like Elvis, and then afterwards they bring a comedian on and be like, hey, here you go. Let's let's see the comedian now. You know, following something that's epic was something with that's Tina's- kind
1: of. Eh, Oh, piano! It's like that. It's like you're reading this thing of like, oh my god, Charles Schultz, and then you get to the end, and you're like it's it's over. Like yep. that's you know that's just sad in itself. I think it's more sad, and depressing than what you read this week. But oh, it's, go well, ahead. it's
0: definitely more sad and depressing than Sleepy Hollow number one. It's from Boom Studios, and it is based on the uh, based on the Fox TV series, and it's written by Marguerite Bennett and illustrated by Jorge Caleo and in colors by Tamara Bonvillian, which is interesting because it almost looks like villain, but it's not. You're and-
1: you're. Your vocabulary when it comes to last names, always past 36 episodes, has improved every week. I'm so that. proud of you. I'm so proud of you.
0: And, and letters by Jim Campbell. Yay, an easy one. Big why, name. Why are, these, why are these never written by normal people? <laughs> Whoa. Hey, now. Why can't we ever say this This comic's written by John Smith or something like that? No, yeah, it's always going to be a difficult damn, name
1: damn those people for being named after their heritage god now, damn what is wrong with you
0: marry <laughs> marry people with simpler names so i can so you can help me out. But, <laughs> but no i mean it's adapted from the fox tv series and and they kind of it's it's kind of a side story from what they're doing on the show right now basically what they're doing is they're investigating some uh some mysterious miracles that are happening around sleepy hollow with with different residents and it turns out Basically, that it was it was because of of a, a cursed witch's coven that's been laying. Uh, uh, there were a lot of uh, witches that were murdered in Sleepy Hollow over the over a hundred year span, and now their bodies are buried in these catacombs, and they're kind of coming out of the woodwork now and trying to revive themselves to bring plague on Sleepy Hollow. Um, right. And and it's written. The only characters from the series that they really focus on are, are Abby Mills, the detective. Of course, if you watch the show, and Ichabod Crane himself, a horseman is not. He's on the cover, but he's not in the issue, which I think is funny. So I mean, yeah, you're you're well, showing he, the horseman because that's he's he's part of the show, but then at
1: the same well, time he like, he's not in it. Well, he is to be how I think they did it. For the cover because it's like it gets your attention, so you see the horse on the cover, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's definitely but attention. It's not today. what you think it is.
0: Uh, Phil Noto did the did the cover art, by the way, which is which is actually very good. And again, one of those times where I think the cover art's better than the art inside, which I know bugs you, it bugs me. Uh, the art's not bad, but it's not uh, it's it's not what you expect when you see the cover. Right. The cover's, the cover's definitely a little better. So I would have liked to have seen Phil Noto attack a little bit more of this. But, I mean, there's a couple of kind of wow moments where the this, this little girl, her little brother, I say little, I would say she's about maybe 10-ish, <laughs> okay. maybe a little older than that. And she's uh, they there in a park reading, and her brother runs into the street after his remote control car, and a big dump truck's coming. It's going to basically kill her brother. So she runs into the street. And she puts her hand out and is actually able to stop the truck and it flips over because she's infected by this witch's power and she just doesn't know it kind of thing. So that's why she was able to do it. That was one of the miracles that I was talking about. So that was one of the wow moments in there. One of the things that was kind of a letdown for me, though, is if you watch Sleepy Hollow, it's not just about supernatural stuff and it's not just about uh, about, uh, monsters and whatnot, but it, part of what makes it a great show is the is the chemistry and the dialogue between Abby Mills and the Ichabod Crane character, and they kind of tried to do that in this issue, but it it fell a little short. It almost felt like they were trying to force the humor, and they were trying to force what seems to come so naturally on the show. It didn't come as naturally in the book. And I don't know. And, and, and you know, the writing differences being what they are, I think that has, that's, that has something to do with it, but I just kind of wish they could have captured that relationship a little bit more. And it's almost like they backtracked a little, uh, for the reader's sake to make it and almost do like a, reintrodu- a reintroduction as to why Ichabod Crane and uh, the, the modern world confuses him so much kind of thing. And it's like, dude, we already know this though. Right. So I think as a fan of the show, it was kind of it, there were some of those things that kind of let me down, but if you're if you're not a fan of the show and this is just something you want to pick up because you think it's interesting, it might be better for, me, for you because you don't have anything to kind of set you up for the disappointment, I guess I could say <laughs> it's still It's still a good book. I'll probably stick with it because I kind of see uh, if it evolves from the first issue. Cause it's only a four issues part four issue series. I'm only doing four parts. It's not like, you know, this is going to be an ongoing ongoing monthly that, you know, I have to decide whether or not I want to stick with in my pulls or if I want to just, or if I want to drop it, I'll probably just stick with it. Cause it's only a four issue series and see if there's any improvement from issue one to issue two, as far as the dialogue is concerned.
1: Right. I mean, that's just, oh. it's like, do it's hard
0: when you're adapting stuff from a series.
1: Well, yeah. Cause it's kind of like, you know, you know, you don't want to like lace over what you can do in the future. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to like spoil what you're gonna do in the future, or, or kind of like, okay, we we're this in the comic, we can't really put it in the, you know, in the show. And then you also run that thing of, you know, like, kind of like what you say, where yeah, they have these elements from the show, but they're like it's the same shit. Like you know, it's 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 kind of like that, and it's just I don't know. There's only I think with Sleepy Hollow, there's only so much you can do. You know what I'm saying?
0: I mean, they've done a fantastic job with the show and and moving it forward to the point where they can definitely stretch it out. But what I like is, and in, in one thing they I think they did pretty well was in the comic they alluded to Moloch, who's the big who's the big bad evil villain that they're fighting on the show. And they thought that this was connected to him and he was somehow involved. In and then they comes they come to find out it had nothing to do with Moloch at all. So it's it's a it, they want to let you know right away that this is going to be kind of a side arc. And this comic was actually originally meant to bridge the gap between the, the fall finale and when oh, okay. it picks back up after the after the holidays, because I think the fall finale of, of Sleepy Hollow is coming up soon. So that's what this series was really meant to do, is, is, a, is a gap bridger between the series. So because I think one of the things that's hurt the series in the ratings this year in season two is that the series ended in season one after 13 episodes in, I think it was either December or January. They just ended it for the entire year. So there hasn't been a new episode of Sleepy Hollow for eight Months, Right. So that was, I think they realized that that was a huge mistake with such a giant, and the show was extremely popular last year, but the big layoff, people just kind of forgot about it, or they kind of moved on, and they were frustrated that it ended so soon, so... I think they realized that that was a mistake. So now they're trying to, in a in a different way, bridge the gap between just what would be a fall finale and when the show picks back up. So I think that it's a very smart thing that, uh, that the Sleepy Hollow folks are doing, and I hope that they, uh, they the writing continues to get better with this issue. So I would, if you're a fan, I would pick it up, but if you're a fan of the show, just know that... There's a little bit of frustration with the dialogue, but I, th- I thought the story overall was pretty good, and the art is not bad. I don't want to give you the impression the art's bad. It's just I think the cover art is better.
1: Right? Yeah. I, I mean, when you look at something like like adaptations, we've I mean, seen like when you, you know Tomb Raider, the comic, and everything else is it's that that filler to the point where it's like you you know from what you're telling me, um, Sleepy Hot with the comic for Sleepy Hot, it's kind of like we didn't really need this, you know what I'm saying? Like- no, we don't, and if, and if you're patient enough to wait from the, between the
0: fall finale and when they pick it back up in, say, February or March, then you're fine, but I mean, if you're, if you're a huge fan and you just want to see what this is like, I, and that's what I did, I'm a big fan of the show, so I was like, I want to see what this comic is going to be like, so and I, and I ended up being a little bit disappointed because it wasn't exactly it's, it's almost like they mean this to be, to be Gap Bridger, but they're not picking up where you're leaving off Right. And they and maybe they didn't involve enough of the other characters to make it feel like it's part of the show and it wasn't just the adventures of Abby and Ichabod kind of thing.
1: Right. Well that's gonna do it for this week's What We're Reading come up next. We look at the trailer for the Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies. This week in Geek Tame it coming up next, more down nerdy.
0: Well, nerds and nerdettes, grab the popcorn, get the raisinettes out because it's time for this week in Geek Tame and it's gonna be kinda one of those epics, Nick, when you're talking about one of the final installments of The Hobbit
1: in the Battle of the Five Armies. It is now. Wait a minute! Before we talk about The Hobbit, raisinets really? Raisinets fucking suck, dude. We did a fucking snacks episode, and we're talking about. I love Milky Way. I love you know. Randall saw Milky Ways at the fucking movie theater, but it's like you could have said Butterfinger, you could have said you know Airheads or whatever. Yeah, go what raisinets really?
0: I'm gonna be totally honest right now. I specifically said raisinets because I knew you'd do that. Oh, go fuck this up. (laughs) Because I felt like we haven't had a a really good Nick rant in a while. So I wanted to... Fucking
1: that. It's like, like... You're like pulling dingleberries out of your ass. Oh, that's... That's probably a little worse than raisinets. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: probably just a little bit worse than raisinets. I'm not sure I'd put up put them on that level. Oh, but that's what they. That's I. Ah, oh, that's what they are to me. Hey, like, I'm not. You know what? My mom loves them, and I don't get it either. I just don't understand what's so. And my remember, mom. Remember Not those because, chunky? Remember those
1: chunky bars too? The, yeah. the big chocolates. With the, she loves those too. I'm like, what the hell my, is it with you? Chocolate like, and raisins. Like, like, like I love like tr- like cow tails and stuff like that. But like my mom too. Like with her, she really likes the weird like the candy like Charleston Chew. I can never get into that shit. Like and she's like, oh, I love it. Or like almond joy. I'm like, the fuck. I'll like, tell you why? right now, Charleston Chew is a generational thing. Yeah, That's oh, what it that is. is. That's what that. Oh God, is. yeah, it is. But now well, back to back to what we were talking about before. That's candy talk on Down and Nerdy. Uh, no, uh, so The Hobbit with the Five Armies. Now, when I first watched the trailer, now they, not the teaser, we're talking about the actual full trailer that just released uh, earlier, uh, last, late last week, actually. Yeah. Um, earlier this week. And uh, so, you know, you have Bilbo and Thor and, and the dwarves, and they pretty much, to- you know, if you've, I've seen Desolation of Smaug. I don't know if you have, but towards the end of Desolation of Smaug, they pretty much piss him off, and they unleashed him uh, onto the world pretty much, and he pretty much sets the town of Lake Town on fire, right? He and just d- destroys it because he says, "Like you know, I am death." And so, pretty much, it's kind of like the actions of like, "Oh my God, these you know everything was fine up until these dwarves came along and woke up Smog, mm. and now." You know, Lake Town's fucking destroyed. So now, it's kind of, it was, I'm not going to lie, you know, we ha- it was kind of confusing because it's like, wait a minute, you see the elves have their arrows drawn at the castle where Thorin and Bilbo and the dwarves are, so it's like, wait a minute, are they going to go at these people? What's mm-hmm. going on? I mean, it's a trailer, more than to explain the movie, I mean, but the movies, I'm not going to lie, they haven't been great. Like, Lord of the Rings, I like the Lord of the Rings, I hate them, I like, I like and I, I have a love-hate relationship with them. I like them but I hate him because when I was in college, I had a professor where le- I was a film student. We had to take uh, an aesthetics class, film esthetics class. So every chance he got, instead of actually teaching us, he would just show us bonus features from Lord of the Rings. And uh, so that's where the hate comes in. Okay. Because it's, yeah, that's where the hate comes in. And it's like, and, as in clerks Two, as Randall points out, it's three movies of fucking people walking to a volcano. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, shit could have happened sooner, but that's another story. But, no, it was just kind of confusing, because I'm like, wait a minute, Battle of Five Armies, what's going to happen? Is it, like, the elves are going to attack them, and then they're going to join forces, and they're going to take on the dark side kind of thing? And, you know, we see, uh, for the first time, Sauron is in this. Sauron, and, yep, yep. And, uh, uh, uh well, no, Sauron is the white wizard no, then Sa- we see Christopher Lee. No, Sauron?
0: S- Sauron is the eye.
1: Yeah. Sauron but is I'm the part- eye. I'm talking about Christopher Lee's character, the white wizard that kills.
0: Yes, that's right. I don't don't remember. I am drawing a blank on that myself, actually.
1: Yeah. So Saruman's in this and he's like, leave Sauron to me. So, you know, that's when he's going to get turned or or whatever. Exactly. And uh, so pretty much it's, it's Sauron is back and, you know the orcs are attacking a lonely mountain, and it's just the goblins it, are attacking, the elves are attacking, the bats are attacking. There's a mm-hmm. party in the pear tree. Gary Buse is over the corner shitting himself. You know everything's going down in Middle Earth right now.
0: You know it's funny because if if you watch the first two movies too, it's always been kind of an uneasy alliance. You know with the dwarves and, and Thorin's group and Bilbo and and uh, and Gandalf. Uh, it's always been kind of an uneasy alliance and you're waiting for that thing to kind of push it over the edge. And now, now they're in, one of the things that they say in the trailer is they say to Thorin, you know, we took the mountain. Isn't that enough for you? Right. So now it's like, he's pushing it even further. So now that, that now that's drawing the seeds of doubt, like, should we really be following this guy any further? Didn't we he, do what we came here to do kind of thing?
1: He, I think Thorin, what he wants is he wants the power he wants to re, you know having a castle isn't enough he wants his whole land and kingdom back he wants his people back that's That's what he wants see that's that's where you hit the nail on the head he wants
0: his people back he wants his his kingdom back he wants this not just for himself but for his people or at least he thinks he wants it for his people so i think that one of the things we're going to find out in, in this movie is is uh, has Thorin's judgment been clouded here is is, right. is he taking it too far and don't forget the elves were not too thrilled that the dwarves were going on
1: this journey in the first place no because as we see they unleashed a pissed off smog and all hell has broken loose pretty much exactly so
0: the elves need to decide what's their play here you know, so that's going to be part of the tension in this movie. And I think that this is going to be a very tense and battlefield movie because, like you said, the orcs are attacking, the elves are attacking, the goblins are attacking, the bats are attacking. Don't and Gary
1: Boosie shitting in the corner. That's
0: right. That's why they call it the Battle of the Five Armies, the fifth being the one that's actually in the mountain now. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I think that, you know, you're going to see, just like you see in a lot of the Lord of the Rings type movies, you're going to see Gandalf kind of rally the troops kind of thing and bring everybody together at some point. But don't right. forget, Smog, Smog still needs to be dealt with, too.
1: Oh, he does. I mean, you know, in the first thing, you know, we see that, you know, one of like a black arrow can kill him. And you would think, why don't they just grab John Barrowman, um, you know, why why, why would
0: not they just grab John Barrowman anyway?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Why not? <laughs> why not? But uh, you know, Malcolm Merlin, Why not just grab him? I don't know. I, I jazz kick my way through Middle Earth. Yeah. I <laughs> yes. Oh my! I'm picturing him jazz, jazz kicking it like go, pulling up to the eye, like Mount Doom or whatever the fuck it's called, and just jazz kicking right in front of the eye. I'm just saying, you know that that might have made the journey a little more entertaining. Just yeah. saying. But no, I mean, you know, when he, you know, so it's like, okay, it only this arrow can kill him and he has like a soft spot and there's like a scale that got knocked out where it's like it's a soft spot you can yep. kill him at and you know so you know he's gonna die Um and we're also gonna get to uh with one of the dwarves I can't think of his name but he has that love interest with Toriel the elf so we're gonna kind of get a little bit more of that possibly yep, yep. we're gonna get um, that
0: and and of course that's gonna cause a whole you know we mentioned the Montagues and the Capulets earlier that's gonna cause a little bit of that kind of stuff going on yep because the dwarves and the elves don't get along at all.
1: Nope. But, I mean, overall, like, when you look at this movie, though, like I'm like, when you really look at it, though, and you look at like the past two, you're like, really? You could just put this all into a th- one, three-hour movie? Yeah, they like, could have, but they, like, but that's not the way the world works anymore. <laughs> no, and it's sad. Well, it's, it's upsetting. A lot of Lord of the Rings fans are saying this, too. Like, not people who are just blinded by, oh, my God, it's Jackson. Oh, my God, it's The Hobbit. Gotta love it, gotta love it. It's not like, no, they're like... The Hobbit's the shortest book out of the entire, you know, series.
0: Right, and they didn't need to do, as a a fan, I I know they did not need to do this. And you know what, you know what, whose fault it is? It's fucking Harry Potter's fault. J.K. Rowling screwed this up for all of us, and now everything that's a last movie is a two-parter. The Avengers, friggin' Twilight did the same thing, Hunger Games is doing it. Now everybody's doing it because it's all about cash, man.
1: Right, and it's just like well, it pisses me off because you look at the original three, and you're like, that was one book which is like ten times the size of a Hobbit into one, you know, right? That that was necessary. But remember now, now they could have they could
0: have chosen to split Return of the King into two parts, and they didn't. So that was a smart thing. It would, have made, it would not have made sense. No, you know? it wouldn't have made sense. They could have it, done it, but it wouldn't have made sense.
1: Because what happens is, when you do that, you get the first Hobbit movie, which is just filler. It's boring. There's nothing going on. It's just filler. You know, that's the thing. Like, like I, the Hobbit, I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the prequels. I'm sorry. It's just, if it wasn't greediness that ruined it, then I would have probably have liked it. See, but the fact is, is you spread it over. You know, it's it's like... You have that one small scoop of peanut butter left, and you have like a whole. You're trying to spread it over a whole loaf of bread, pretty much. And
0: and I get that. And if 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 it wasn't something that I basically grew up with and reading the books is one of the first books that I really you know got me interested in reading, kind of thing, The Hobbit. If it wasn't one of those situations for me, then I would probably feel the same way. But because I, I was a big fan of the book, and of course the animated cartoon. That they did for The Hobbit, which by the way was like 90 minutes or something, wasn't it? Like 90 minutes, two hours, or something like that. They fit it all in there and did just fine. I was a big fan of that as well growing up. So I think for me, if I wasn't so hooked on that, I'd probably feel a little bit more like you feel now.
1: Right. But I mean, that's just, I mean, I, we're going to see because we got we to
0: review it. Well, um, n- nostalgia keeps me from doing, saying the things that you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, but that's going to do it for this week in Geek Tainment. Coming up next, it's everybody's favorite topic. Well, actually, all of you should have all of their favorite topics. But Nerd News is coming up next. Stay tuned. Well, boys and girls, nerd nerds alike, it's time that we go every week around the interwebs and see what's trending because it's time for what, James? Nerd Nerd, nerd News. news. I'm surprised you said that loudly because the baby's asleep right next to you.
0: His, my voice soothes him. <laughs> it, it, yes <laughs> i'm a calming influence <laughs>
1: well he did rip some gas so, i mean I, yes he uh, did, did too, too. i'm
0: sorry that didn't make it on the show
1: no but it made it to, its way to my headphones though
0: <clears throat> it's pretty loud man
1: yeah pretty loud but our first story of course i think was the biggest news last week star wars episode seven has found a name and they've actually decided to go with something
0: that I think is a hell of a lot better than the Phantom Menace. And that's they decided to go with Star Wars episode seven, The Force Awakens. Now I'm,
1: su- I'm surprised they didn't go with my idea of Star Wars episode seven, I've fallen, I can't force push myself up.
0: That's what they're actually gonna be the subtitle of the Han Solo movie that's gonna be coming out.
1: Very, very okay. Very okay. That'd be fair.
0: I mean, he's got he he broke his leg kind of thing. So that was, uh, well, it broke his his ankle, I think it was. So that's that's why he can't get up. But, um, I mean, I I can't help but laugh at some of the fun that's being poked at the title because the first question everybody thought was, Was the force dormant? Was it sleeping? Uh, was it it napping like Jameson over here to my left? I don't understand (laughs) uh, why it's awakening, but it is. You know, let's let, we'll reset this a little bit for anybody who might not know. The new Star Wars movie is going to pick up three decades after the events of Return of the Jedi, right? And of course, you know, Harrison Ford's back, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Kenny Baker's R2D2, Peter Mayhew, and Anthony Daniels' C3PO. And speaking of Anthony Daniels, did you see when he came out and said at the rap party Yeah. that he, he said- thinks this is going to be better than Empire Strikes Back?
1: yeah which is going to be interesting to see because like i said empire to me i think it, by far is the best star wars film out of, out of all of them i think empire is the best so that's gonna be kind of tough to uh to top as well you know but i mean you see what they're going with this movie and by the way we we're trying to talk about the title for a han solo movie it's star wars han solo my oatmeal is cold
0: yeah <laughs> that's another good one <laughs>
1: Star Wars Han Solo,
0: Metamucil's on sale.
1: Yes, there we go. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm, this isn't the first time. I mean, there, there was reports like, oh, "Okay, it's not going to be named this; it was going to be named something else." And and uh, but you know, I mean, you go back to, you know, one of the Star Wars films was nicknamed Blue Harvest, mm-hmm. and you know, so it's kind of used that kind of thing in a while to like kind of switch gears a little bit and pull people away from it, but. I think that, I mean, going. they said, that, you know, there's rumors, and this is why we wait on this kind of stuff, that it was going to be called The Ancient Fear. And, Which,
0: I'm sorry, that would have been a stupid name.
1: Yeah, it would have been like Han Solo's Indiana Jones, and uh, that's that's five, I think it's what, four or five Han Solo jokes we've made in the past five minutes.
0: They've they done it to themselves.
1: It, 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 yes. Uh, but no, I mean... You know, Force Awakens, it's like, what's in the name? Okay, my only concern is J.J. Is Abrams because, like I said, like coming off of Into Darkness where I literally, and I said this again, I'm sorry, but Into Darkness to me was just a shot-for-shot shot for for shot.
0: Shot remake of Wrath of Khan. I thought we would yeah. say it together.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Let's do it again. One, right. two, three. It was a shot-for-shot shot shot remake of, of, Wrath of Wrath of Khan. Of Khan. Wow, we're in two separate places, and we our voices actually uh, matched up quite well. It's a it's a harmony. It's it's a gift. It really really is. But I mean, you know, it's it's that's what scares me the most. Um, and it's the fact that you know. I hope to God that you know. I like that he's going back to the whole puppetry and back to that stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah, he, but he, it's, he, just, it's just it's it scares me. I'm sorry, he scares me.
0: I understand, and and I'm, I've always been a J.J. Abrams fan, and of course, you know my feelings on uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. And I, I understand what you're saying, though. Um, I think that one of the reasons they're saying The Force Awakens, uh, let's remember how we ended things at Return of the Jedi. When uh, well, not end of things. It was kind of in the middle where where um, he said, "There's another," right? <laughs> you know, I'm talking about the Force. You know, he's not the last chance. There is another. Actually, that was Empire Strikes Back. I'm sorry. Yeah. Where they said, "There's an you know, he's not our last hope. There is another, and of course, they were talking about Leia because that's his sister. Yeah. So maybe they're doing the whole, you know, now that the now that the Empire's been quote unquote defeated, and now that they've kind of tried to move on with their lives, maybe. You know, you don't necessarily need the Force for a while. And now, all these years later, you know, when evil strikes back up again, that's when you need it again, and that's when you find it in the kids, because let's face it, it's going to be Hanley as kids.
1: Well, think about it this way, too. In the Return of the Jedi, the Force is pretty much dilapidated. Like, it's like, you know, like Yoda's dead. You know, everything's pretty much everybody's been defeated, at least we think, at least on the Sith side. Right. Um, And so I think that it's kind of like peacetime. I think right. That's what I was trying to say. And, yeah, yeah, and that like something happens. Somebody comes along and fucks shit up, and it's like okay, the force is reawoken. The Jedi Council is is re because we you know it's talks that um, Luke is now like where Yoda was on the Jedi Council, right? right. And he's like a high Jedi master. And so it's kind of like okay, so this is back, you know, back into the start of things. So it's going to be, so I think it's going to be something like that, or like Force Awakens, peace time happens. Now something disrupts it, and it's time to go back into the shit. And I think much. that we're
0: gonna we're gonna find out that I think they're gonna they're gonna do like a whole awakening thing with uh, with Han and Leia's children when they kind of start to find out. Hey, we have the Force, and I think that's where Luke's gonna come in because she'll probably seek his guidance on. <laughs> How to manage this with with their children, I think that that 's why they 're going to call it the force awakens because it 's awakening in these children and in the evil, because you know technically technically, do we actually see the emperor die?
1: No, you see him fall down the shaft that
0: 's right, and you 've got that you know massive amount of energy that came, that came flying up, if I remember correctly,
1: yep. but
0: we don 't actually see him die, and maybe even if he does in his physical body. Maybe his energy and the force was so strong with him. I hate to go there, but maybe it was so strong with him and the dark side that it just lived in in the air kind of thing.
1: <laughs> he had so many Metachlorians in his blood that they were like, he cannot die.
0: <laughs> metachlorians is like the dirty word amongst the Star Wars Oh, that's Wars why I fans, use it. I just want to kick Star Wars fans. is
1: <laughs> an extra kick to the balls of Star Wars fans everywhere. Yeah, it's
0: like, what? We're testing this. isn't like By a way,
1: DNA test. By the way, Question. Before we move on to our next story, if you had a lightsaber, does, now the color doesn't represent what side you're on, but you've had to have any color lightsaber, what would it be? I'd have to go with the blue because I always thought it looked the coolest. I don't, <sighs> know, I don't know why.
0: That that, you know, I was that thinking, sky
1: blue kind of thing. I was thinking blue. I mean, red, of course, would be great, but I uh, I got to go green, but if I had to go with like a color that not a lot of people really use or or you know one we haven't really seen a lot of i'd maybe go orange
0: oh that's cool i like that very halloween ish i could take that
1: yeah you know, you know not, are,
0: not all guys can pull off orange
1: no not at all not at all as long um, as
0: as long as jana solo doesn't come out with a hello pink kitty pink lightsaber i think we're good <laughs>
1: Yeah, man. My sister, I know, would probably rock. My sister loves color purple. So she would probably rock, like, the the Mace Windu yeah. purple lightsaber. Yeah, there we go. So another big story that's coming this way in terms of just announcements It's Warcraft, the movie. So Blizzard Entertainment revealed who will be playing the characters in their March 11, 2016 release. Now, it's directed by Duncan Jones. Now, James, do you know who his father is? I do not. David Bowie. Really? Yeah.
0: Wow, interesting, interesting. <laughs> so, the, I, man, if there's any of that influence in this movie, that could make it. That well, I mean, look at it wild. this way. Well,
1: I mean, look at it this way. D- you know, David Bowie, you know, he, or Duncan Jones, he directed Moon and Source Code. So, I mean, it's got yeah. that kind of feel to it. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't know if you knew that or not. Not a lot of I, people I did know not. that. I not. It's very cool. Yeah, um, but Paul Pat is we Garona, who's kind of like... The way, if you had put her in comic book terms, she's the Gamora yep. or the Gamora yep. of because yeah, she's caught. Not only is she green, but she's caught in the middle where like. Do I go with the Horde or do I go with the Alliance? Like, who, who do I go with?
0: Right. And she's very strong-willed. And it's, you're right. It's very Gamora-esque. And we've got another familiar name from the Marvel Universe, Dar- Dominic Cooper, of course, you know, as, as young Howard Stark is going to be uh, playing King Lane Rin, who is the leader of the Alliance and, in, uh, in the city of Stormwind. And he's kind of like that, that beacon of hope in the distance kind of thing, you know, that, that leader that everybody hangs on to. He
1: is the strider of, you know, uh, the Ranger from uh, uh Or the Rings, if you will. Oh yeah, no thing. doubt,
0: no doubt about it.
1: Uh, Clancy Brown's gonna be Blackhand, who is the big time orc war chief. Mm. Uh, ben Schnitzer is gonna be Cadgar, Young Mage. Ben Foster's gonna be Midvi, who is the guardian and protector, kind of the overseer.
0: And looks very arrow-esque. Can I say yep. that? It looks yep. very
1: arrow-esque. Rob Kaczynski is gonna be Ogrim, who is the Doom Hammer Wielder. And I, I honestly think of all of nerdom, I think there's no better um, name for a weapon than the Doomhammer.
0: That is pretty epic. You can't really go wrong. You pick up, you pick that thing up in an RPG and you think you rule the friggin' universe.
1: Uh, Daniel Woosby Gul'dan, who is a Supreme Orc ruler. Ruth Naga is going to be Lady Taria, who is the queen of Stormwind.
0: And she was Flowers on S.H.I.E.L.D. That was her nickname anyway, on Agents of
1: S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't watch as of the Shield. Well,
0: so. that's if for people to say who the hell is that. That's that's who it is.
1: Okay. Uh, Toby Kebbell is going to be Durotan, who's the lead horde protagonist. He's just you know he's a guy that lead horde guy who's bad to save his people. Mm-hmm. And Travis Fimmel, who uh, is from Vikings, is going to be Anduin Lothar. He's going to be the lead protagonist for the Alliance.
0: And if you've seen any episodes of Vikings, that dude Travis Fimmel is bad. Ass, yeah, such a good choice to be in this
1: movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so overall, what do you I mean? I don't play Warcraft, you know, more about Warcraft than I do. All I know is that my roommate in college uh played it all the time, and I wanted to murder him because I played college. <laughs> well, no, because like I played college football right when I was in college, and I had to get up at like five in the morning for a team lifting and running and stuff like that. So, he what would happen is I go to bed around like t- after my home about 10 11 o'clock, and He's trying to sleep, and mind you, our dorm is one of those typical dorms where you know you sleep across from one another. Mm-hmm. You know, my bed was on one side of the room, his bed was on the other. And uh also night he, he had his headphones on. I just hear him yell and just just yell shit like war, like Warcraft stuff, and he would be playing Warcraft, yelling. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up! Yep. I have to be, Dick you know, pra- I need to, to practice at six, the, you know, five in the morning, six in the morning, and you know, there's other things that happened that. Uh, much I moved out of the room because this other shit just happened, and it was just it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It's
0: a dick move.
1: yeah, he did more dickish things and it was just like I pretty much had to restrain myself. and then I moved in with a teammate of mine, so it was it was go. fine after that. Yeah, much better. But, um, no, I remember, like, like, Warcraft was always one of those games where I would be, like, at the Wegmans video store with my mom because she – it's weird. My dad would be like, okay, you can get a game. And then my mom would always be like, okay, you can get a game, you know, for my system. And Warcraft was always one of those games where I saw the cover art, like, Warcraft 3. Mm-hmm. And I'm like – I'm like, oh, it looks interesting, but I never picked it up because I never knew what it was until like I got to college and a cousin of mine plays it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am I, excited for it. I mean, honestly, I think that this could be better, dare I say, than the Lord of the Rings movies or at least put uh, it... I don't, better,
0: I, I don't know if it'll go there. Okay, I think okay, that, that's what they're going the Hob- for.
1: Can I at least say better than the Hobbit movies okay, that that'll that'll
0: be fair. Uh, I, I could see that happening. I actually do think that this could end up being epic. I'm not the biggest I'm not the biggest Warcraft fan, but just looking at the cast from top to bottom. I mean, you get Clancy Brown who I think is a great choice. You you know, he's Sheriff Corbin on Sleepy Hollow and he was the general that you just saw in uh, the latest episode of Flash. And just all the characters, it's it's almost like you look at who they cast and you look at who they represent. I think they did a great job with casting and I think they picked the right uh protagonist to, to, go with the right, to go with the right characters. They made, they, gave, they made epic choices without spending epic money on right. acting. What they're going to spend their money on is the effects yep. and the scenery and the stuff that they should uh, put it on. And I actually think that uh, one thing that might drive fans a little crazy, but I think will actually be good in a sense, is I do think that they're going to deviate uh, from the source material Uh, enough to make it more of a movie because it's always difficult when you're doing a a video game movie because there's been so few good ones. You almost have to deviate from the actual game because a lot of games, well, at least back in the day, weren't made to be movies. They are more so now, but I actually think you kind of have to deviate a little bit because as an
1: RPG, it doesn't follow a storyline.
0: Right. But there's well, was no, saying, was, this was, like, isn't choose your own adventure. You have no, to well, make I it saying, a story. like
1: Warcraft is a game, and that's what kind of I couldn't get into it because I like games that actually have an ending. Warcraft is just a game that can go on and on, right. on, on and on and on, and it's not really much of a plot to it. Now, the newer stuff there is, like the Warlords of Drainer that was coming out soon. Right. You know, it's that's, you know, the kind of a plot, but I mean, it, as far as from what i know like from start to finish like there's not much of a plot you just choose your side to you go that's all it is
0: and i think th- they need to avoid the pitfall of you know when you're when you're gaining certain armors and weapons and you know gaining experience level points ups. and stuff like that level you have to avoid those cheesy little don't give a wink and a nod to fans for stuff like that i mean the weapons and stuff sure you want to make that a point like the Doom Hammer. I mean who you're gonna wanna make a big deal out of that if it's something that gets like picked up along the way, sort of thing. Yeah. Or if they wanna highlight it because it's the friggin' Doom Hammer, then I've got no problem with that, but don't do it cheesy. I think that's the only thing that could really derail a movie that has a good premise and actually a whole lot of characters that can be very interesting. And let's face it, sometimes it's all about the cinematics. I mean, you just wanna see the world. That oh, they yeah. create for it because it's just like Asgard. When you first saw Asgard in the Thor movie, that was there was that wow moment because you always wondered there was that what would moment. Asgard look like. You know, there was that wow moment because you found out that
1: Thor lived in a pipe organ.
0: That's right, and you know when it on a windy day it creates sweet sweet music.
1: It really does. <laughs> and uh but the final thing we're gonna I'm gonna talk about before we get to our next story about Warcraft Um, is that you know you get all this casting thing, but you realize it's Warcraft and a lot. You know, so a lot of it's gonna be cgi and probably motion capture and especially it has when you to talk be. about the orcs but uh our next story james speaking of marvel so we all know the age of ultron trailer came out well was leaked a couple weeks ago so it's supposed to come out it was actually leaked on the 22nd mm-hmm. and it was supposed to as you all know they marvel's like we wanted to be uh go with ages of shield to help boost ratings and this is how And I told people, do we tell people this was not planned at all by Marvel. And here's the biggest proof ever on Tuesday, Marvel filed a subpoena against Google in the U S district court in San Francisco, alleging that a person identified as quote, John gazelle used a Google drive account to post the Avengers age of Ultron trailer. Now though Marvel previously sent the takedown request, you know, that's the thing too. If people are like, well, you know, they're being asked to take it down. Um, the company now wants to know the IP address of the leaker as well as the YouTube and Google Plus accounts associated with the name. And the crazy thing, too, is that um, while what was raising the bigger question is that while Marvel's desire to identify the leaker isn't a surprise, the swiftness in which the court granted the request for the subpoena is a bit unusual because the subpoena was issued on November 5th, the day after Marvel requested it and it pretty much instructs Google to produce all identifying information for Gazelle in court. And, uh, but Judge Richard Weakening did not grant all Marvel's requests as the company sought to access Google's physical premises as well. So they actually wanted to go to Google and be like, what the fuck yeah, happened? That
0: that's, that's not happening. I, I do think it's a little weird that that it, that it got granted so quickly as well, and the fact that they, they see it as that big of a deal. I mean, to me, I understand... Uh, that that this kind of screwed them as far as uh, promoting agents of shield and getting the ratings concerned, but at the same time, didn't this almost work out better for them?
1: Well, yeah. And before I I, I get to that, um, I did mention that it was the fifth that the subpoena came out. Uh, so this was last this was last Tuesday that they wanted the subpoena. Um, so here's the thing: is you look at, at how it happened and. Marvel had the great response of "Damn it, Hydra" and everything else, and like I said, it got people going. You know what I'm saying? It, it got. And the thing is, too, is you know, as, honestly, if I was Marvel, it's like, yeah, I want people to watch my show, not because for gimmicks like this, we're going to show a trailer for mm. our next big movie. I want people to tune to our show for because it's because of the quality. You know, so it's like, how many people you know? You just know that. Okay, say for instance, you had. 10 million viewers, okay. This is a random number, 10 million, that that regularly watch is the shield. But then you had 20 all to get the following week for because of the trailer. How much of that 20 million do you think was going to drop off after the trailer had aired, Quite and they bit. just switched to something else? It would probably drop back down to the 10 or maybe a little bit less.
0: Not to mention you've got quarter hour ratings, and that's how they do it. They they go by quarter hours, so they can see where that drop is based on when they aired the trailer. So I mean. I I think that this is kind of interesting because one thing you don't see for Marvel a lot is any signs of weakness in their in their in their entertainment, and I think that by trying to do this, it was a sign of weakness that they know Agents of Shield isn't strong enough to stand on its own. It would be different if this was like. Maybe one or two episodes into Agents of Shield, and it was a brand new thing, and you're trying to bump it. No, this was this is supposed to be a proven entity now, and you have to do this to get people's attention. I just think that, that that's Marvel showing own weakness.
1: To go to the other side, I think if the, okay, say so for instance, DC is hey, we're going to show the Batman or Superman trailer versus during like Arrow or the Flash. And this happened, or no? Actually, you know what? Since this is Batman vs Superman, I would say let's put Earth towards uh, Gotham. So we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna sh- put it on Gotham, okay. and then it got leaked before it showing Gotham. I think that'd be more damning than if it was Agents of Shield, because with Gotham it has we've seen we talked about it, it has very high ratings I and mean, it got mm-hmm. picked up for a full season. And so there's there's not that discussion of well did they do it because they want to boost ratings because the show is not good. You know, with Marvel there is that. because. Shield is not that good, mm-hmm. you know, and so you're gonna have that. And the fact of the matter is, that they came after Google, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, you've kind of fucked it up and everything else, but you still showed, you know, some other stuff and everything like that. But right, and 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 honestly, to me, it's kind of like what kind of bugs me now with Marvel is that the quote unquote extended trailer came out earlier this week, like literally yesterday, mm-hmm. and. So it's like, so why is it such a big deal? Like, okay, the first trailer came out. Cool. Then you sent out the one you showed at Comic-Con with the whole trying to raise near. Right. Then you bring out this third, you know, the quote-unquote extended, which has, like, literally probably, like, five... I don't even really consider it a new trailer because it has mm-hmm. probably, like, five to ten seconds of new stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why is it a big fucking deal? Like, you got the... the the, the You know people people it's going to make probably... as. More money than I think it's made more money than the first Avengers movie. Oh, easily, easily. You know, it, it's you know, you're not gonna lose money on it. Yeah, I understand you lost viewers probably because people are gonna turn them agents of shield, but still, you it's, not like you it's not like it was the only thing you could have ever shown. And like I say, we're having you know, these this new trailer, this new quote-quote trailer came out a couple days ago. Why is it a big fucking deal? I don't understand it. I just let it well, Okay. Yeah, like, I, like, I understand somebody took your property and released it out there which is which sucks but it's not like you lost money from it you know what I'm saying but here's the other thing first of all how did this guy even get it in the first place exactly that, that's my
0: that's my problem I mean I could see if it was somebody that worked for Marvel worked for Disney worked for one of the production companies that that, that worked on the movie I mean I, I know hackers do some pretty amazing things but how this guy got this I don't know the second thing to touch on your point is is, uh, like you said, is this really necessary to put out all these ridiculous trailers when you don't really need to? And this isn't Guardians of the Galaxy. This isn't an unknown entity that you need to shove down our throats. And by the way, bravo for doing that because it worked. This is the Avengers Age of Ultron. I mean, if you're not careful, it's going to be oversaturation. Right. Do you want to show too much? Before the movie even comes out, I mean, that was that's one of the great things about Marvels—they've left a lot of stuff to mystery. Once the movies actually come out, you show too much from Age of Ultron; you give away stuff, and then all of a sudden, it's not as epic as you wanted it to because we've seen everything.
1: Right? I mean, and that's the thing—is just that you look at this and it's like, is it really worth it? Like, like do like I understand you're Marvel, and yeah, and I'd be I'd you know it's like, it's kind of like I'd be pissed if somebody took like one of our shows and like you know, did something to it or whatever, like, hey, we have this or for example, if we had like an interview lined up with somebody and it was recorded and it was all ready to go and somebody somehow got to my computer and like leaked the mm-hmm. thing, you know, before the show went up, I'd be pissed. But I'd be like, you know what though? Eh, if somebody really wants it that badly, what's the harm you know what I'm saying it's like it's it's not you know, if somebody wants to hear it something or see something that badly, what's the what's the harm? I think you know?
0: I think you'd be pissed and I'd be pissed too. Until you saw how it worked out. Oh, exactly. If it worked out for us the way it worked out for Marvel, which I think was better because it made it more viral. It made it more because people like that dirty little thing that you're not supposed to do or you're not supposed to see. It makes them makes them feel bad in a way, you know. It's that right. dirty little dirty little secret that everybody. Gets, it made you feel wrong for watching it for in in, right. in a certain sense, kind of thing. So it made people it made it spread like wildfire. It made it go viral even more than it would have. If you watched it on agents of shield and then, you know, five minutes later you post it up on Twitter and then everybody gets to see if you missed it on agents of shield. And that's the other thing. They're not necessarily going to watch agents of shield to see the trailer because you know, just like everything else in the world, five minutes after shield is over, they're going to post it on Twitter because they want everybody to see it.
1: Right. So, I mean, you know, it's the thing It's just, whatever i mean it's not i don't think it's a big deal is it worth
0: it really yeah
1: really speaking of is it worth it so we all love the game battletoads i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's literally the hardest game to ever beat. i mean even if you beat it with the cheat code and everything you're still considered a god for beating it thank you for telling me that i'm a god you are a god.
0: <laughs> I'm one of the lucky few. I'll, I will say that, that, that I actually finished it. It was very, very difficult. And, you know, it's funny because Battletoads, kinda, it almost kind of wanted to try and capitalize on the whole Ninja Turtles phenomenon. Right. But I think there was, and I, I always, for some reason, even to this day, I always go back to Battletoads, and I think to myself, how cool was that game? Yeah, it really was so cool, and it was done so well, and it was over the top in spots. But and and the, the worlds that they created were very good. As matter of fact, the uh, the Dark Queen cosplay that I posted on Tuesday for Cosplay Tuesday, yeah, was I thought that was very cool that I could find so, and apparently it's a very popular cosplay, and I had no idea. So we're not the only ones that are. Carrying the flag for Battletoads, but the reason why we're talking about this is because Microsoft actually filed a, with the Federal Trademark and Patent Office a trademark for Battletoads. So that begs the question, Nick: Are we going to see the return of Battletoads?
1: Well, here's the thing: We talked about this before we got on, got on the show. So, so Microsoft spent an astounding $650 for the two trademarks, as <laughs> which, which we all know. That that can just that's a big gamble on their part. That's
0: that's by 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 my math. That's two trademarks, by the way.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah. They were three hundred seventy-five or three hundred fifty dollars, like three hundred sixty-five dollars a piece. Um. But no. Uh. Can we see a return? We talked about this before. You know, we were hit record, and I said, "You look at the rare properties. Microsoft has the rare properties. They have you know banjo, everything else." But they don't do anything with them. Killer Instinct was really the first rare property they did anything with in years. Mm-hmm. Years. And the thing is, Microsoft came out with a thing today said, Oh yeah, we just get copyrights just to get them. Like, you know. But the thing is though, is we I saw the actual sheet, like the actual copyright mm-hmm. thing. And it said, why did you want it? It said for distribution of online games and stuff like that. And they specifically said game
0: software. Yeah. Which, which was the big kind of one that jumped off the page. Now, like you said, Microsoft did issue a statement upon this this uh, story coming out. And they said, Microsoft often acquires various trademarks as part of its ongoing business strategy. But beyond that, we have no comment. Now, we know that's corporate speak for we've got something Don't get ahead of us here. It's coming. Don't get ahead of us because we want... This is going to be an E3 reveal. Oh, God, yeah. I think coming up this year's, the next E3, coming up in 2015, I think this is going to be an E3 reveal because, let's face it, they shit the bed at E3 in 2014. So this is something that's a beloved franchise, like you said, much like the Rare Properties. This is a beloved franchise. It's always had a cult following. They want this to be a big wow for them. And what they probably want to do is quietly develop a Battletoads game that is brought into 2014 and make it this, you know, it's it's going to be like that night and day difference where you see the new battle Battletoads for the first time and the detail right. that's going to go into it is probably going to be off the friggin' charts. So I can't wait to see what this is going to look like because we all know it's coming.
1: The only bad thing that can happen with this is that you look at, like, Turtles in Time. And when they did Turtles in Time reshelled, which is, they you know, they gave it the next-gen flavor. Right. It was very bland. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like the controls were very bad. The, the colors, everything was like an orange hue. It it just didn't have that great feeling. So that's the only thing that can fire back. Now the question too too, James, is you know, this game was released in nineteen ninety one, and you know, it had another sequel, you have Double Dragon, Bale Toes, and stuff like that. And uh, would this make you go out and get an Xbox One? See, that's my thing. I'm going to say no,
0: only because... Not just because of the, the expense that's involved. A- as much as I love Battletoads, that's not enough. There's right. there, Especially based on the comparison of the two, and we've talked about this a great length, so we won't get back into it. You compare the Xbox to the PS4, and, and to me, there's no comparison. Right. I think PS4 is, is far superior. So it would need to take... It would need to be like... Batman Arkham Knight as an Xbox exclusive for me to even consider switching and changing my mind. It would have to be something on that level or if they made like if they decided to make a legit Marvel game where it was an Avengers game right to the level of the Arkham games where it was kind of like that same kind of storytelling involved right. then or something like that that would even make me consider it.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, for me, I'll still be PS4. But I mean, other than that, I, I, I'm excited for this. I hope it, it happens because I, I just want to see more rare properties get made. Like you know, that's a that's a thing. I understand that. Here's my question to you, though.
0: I know okay. that I know they made a they made an animated series. Why do you think nobody's ever tried their hand at doing a Battletoads Toads movie?
1: Who, um, I think, because the history of video game movies haven't been so good. Um, I think that. When I think honestly, I think Super Mario Brothers fucked everything up for everybody. Um, you know, it, it, it's when you look at Battletoads and, and the thing is too is I think they don't want to do it because the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out. So I don't think they want anything close to that as well. And you might actually like, well, why haven't they done it? Well, uh, I mean, it has the fan base, but I mean, what else could you know? what I'm saying, like, I just think that this is something you you this is something you
0: could do. That would actually look good on screen if you catch lightning in a bottle. You know, you get the right director. Of course, there'd be a, you a know, voice. Though. There'd be a voice cast involved.
1: But here's the problem: they're gonna give it the same. They're gonna they're gonna make it a kid treatment. Like they're gonna go towards that kids angle. I don't nothing really was a kids movie. No. So or a kids game. So they're gonna go for that angle. That's my thing. But That's if you
0: did it if you did it in the vein of the original Turtles movies where you made it that kind of feel in the movie you know what I'm saying? How like you said, the new Turtles movie is geared more towards kids where I, I don't think that the fir- that the original Turtles movies necessarily were. I think they just made a Turtles movie. The first right. go around. If you just do if you commit yourself to just do that with Battletoads, I think you could really have something here. The characters are there, the story is is decent and, and, and interesting, and I think that visually, it could look really cool, it could look really cheesy, but it could also look very cool.
1: Well, the thing is, like you know, I, you know the last thing I want to say about this is, I mentioned Rare, and they're a UK games developer, they're acquired by Microsoft back in 2002 for $375 million. So yet, that we and we haven't had any rare games come out lately. Like right. it's yeah. it's just like I said, like Killer Instinct was like the first rare property to come out in like years. Years. So I mean, if it happens, that's great. Let's put it this way. We live in a YouTube age. So if Battletoads is announced and it comes out, I'm just gonna literally do what I do for mo- a lot of games that have some sort of story. I'm just gonna go on YouTube, and look up Battletoads, cutscenes movie, and just watch it.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. That that would be a good way to do it. And I got to be honest, I think that um, I think that the future I think the future of, of Battletoads could be determined by whatever Microsoft decides to do with this with this new property. And I think hey, maybe even get Netflix on the horn and be like, "Hey Netflix, maybe you want to do, you know, take a flyer on a Battletoads series for Netflix
1: or something." You just you never know what could you happen with something like this. Exactly. Well, that's going to do it for Nerd News this week. Coming up next, it's our main topic. We're going to be discussing the history of comic book strips. So get that stripper pole out and get it ready to go because our main topic is coming up next, Down and Nerdy. Well, this show is called
0: the Down and Nerdy Podcast. So we're going to get down and dirty because, Nick, we're going to do something. It's been a long time coming. It's time to strip.
1: We're going to get some stripping going on. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. Let's break out the polls and the newspapers that are on the polls at the library because we're talking about <laughs> comic strips this
1: yes. week. <laughs> yes. Yes. I hear
0: all the women going, Oh. Yeah. No magic mic moment for you this week, ladies.
1: Well, well, you're also well, for your wife, of course. Your wife is going to have you strip. I know when you she gets home. So. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, um, by the way, I'm sorry for giving people that, that image of yeah, Jake stripping.
0: That's unfortunate.
1: Uh it's uh, God. Um, but I mean uh, That's right, compose
0: yourself. I, I'll it's, try.
1: It's, it's a it's a tough image, but you can do this. Uh, I can do it. <laughs> i like the I'm like the little I'm like a little nerd that could. That's I right. think I can. I that's think I right. can. Okay, pretend it's the Star Wars prequels. Erase it from your mind. James isn't stripping, Qui-Gon isn't even in the movie, and, okay, Force is restored. Um, so, no, I, we're going back to this, to stripping and comic strips, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I said, you know, we we're coming from a main topic, and I'm like, what about, you know, and I we had a story about Garfield, you know, the, the creator for Garfield, uh, can just said, you know, reflected on his time in, in, in the TV show and everything else. I'm like, well, what about we do our favorite comic book or, or get comic strip memories and just explain the history because a lot of people don't realize that comic strips were the main reason that comic books got made in the first place and a
0: lot of people don't realize that superman actually started as a comic strip
1: yes think about
0: that for a second and
1: and the only way that superman really got published was because every month they would put all the comic strips for that month and put it in this giant book and it'd be a comic book, right? Very much like the very much like the Charles
0: Schultz Peanuts collection that you were talking about. What we were reading earlier,
1: exactly. And I mean, you look at this, and it's just like, you know, I remember. Like I said I remember the times my dad and I, I used to read the comics, and you know, Beetle Bailey and Kathy. Oh my God, man! Kathy was. I had the. I think it was like the Valentine's Day special on the VHS tape for Kathy, and and it's going back years. Yeah. I'm going to tell a quick story once you're talking
0: about Kathy, because this is something that this is kind of a personal story, but I'm going to share it. And I know it's weird. Kathy personal story, but um, yeah, you,
1: you had a hot thing for Kathy. Didn't you? Uh,
0: it, 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 trust me. I'm going somewhere with this. Um, oh so, so a lot of people don't know that I, my met my wife uh, at the radio station where you and I both work several years right. ago. And, um, one of the things that actually intrigued me about her so much is we were sitting in the the studio where I was working at the time, and we had a newspaper on the on the counter. And she's going through the newspaper, something, and okay, she's going to catch up on current events or something. I don't know what she's doing, but she's thumbing through the newspaper. And what she was doing was she was looking for the comics. Oh, and she was reading Kathy, and she said she really enjoyed reading comic strips. Oh. So I'm watching her reading these and getting all intrigued by it. And I, I was fascinated by it. I'm like, yeah, I was real- married. I
1: was, I was married. You, you was carry my seed." Yeah.
0: And, and oddly enough, it, you know, that was one of the things for me about her that caught my attention and got me, got me interested was the fact that, you know, she's how many women are you going to meet? They're going to be into reading comic strips. And yeah. I mean, she liked other ones too, but Kathy was the one that she was reading at the time. And, 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 and the honey, way, you know,
1: I'm always going to remember that story. And by the way, side note, your wife is kind of pissed at me, but in a good way though. But we'll get... <laughs> oh, we'll find out in a couple <laughs> of oh, weeks. A couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hit, 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 uh, people don't know. Uh, James's wife I'm not gonna say what it was, but something I said on last week's show kind of upset her, and so now in a couple of weeks she's actually gonna be on the show as yeah, well too. So we're gonna to, get ready for to that. Confront me. I done did pissed. I done did pissed the mama bear off. And,
0: and I know what it is, and I'm not telling him. So that's, yeah, you're that's a son of I'm a bitch too. Funny.
1: Yeah, because like, it's like it's two weeks. So you know, like, like I'm sitting here and like, I mess. I even message your wife like, okay, what do you want to talk to me about? And like I like I mean not to keep this tangent going. But you know, I woke up today. I always check the Facebook page, dot com down nerdy, just mm-hmm. to see who liked stuff and who's reading our stuff and everything. And uh your wife said, I, I need to talk to you about something and it just put a smiley face. And normally nine times out of ten, when you read something in text, it's like, oh shit, I'm in mm-hmm. trouble. Did I do something? Did I do something to piss her off or offend her or whatever? But I know your wife, your wife's really cool. So I'm like, so literally, like, we you know, I was like, I'm going through like, okay, the whole past show, like, what did I say to piss her off? That's right. What did I say? And I'm just like, oh, so I'm just sitting here like like doomsday, dude. It's kind of like it's like you know, you got it's it's kind of like when are the teacher calls your parents and you're just like no <laughs> that when you get home you, you know you gotta run to the answering machine delete those messages as fast mm-hmm. as you can I mean I, used to do that. Right. I honestly used to do that with my parents my mom my teacher would I you say oh you didn't do your homework I gotta call your parents uh, what's the number I give them give her the full number except I leave it the last digit wrong or I give them the number I'd sprint home and Delete, 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 delete all the messages from school
0: little did we know yeah
1: little did we know i mean i wasn't a bad kid it was just like you know uh, that was just one of those things that you did yeah you know i wanted that mario kart game and i just you know i and i need to be a good student so go. instead of saying hey nick's not doing good in, a, in the subject i went upstairs and just deleted this message and i was doing i was technically a uh, better student <laughs> there, there you go that's the way to but do it kids going back to our main topic here um no, you look at the comic strips, like, like I said, like, you know, Peanuts, Garfield, Dilbert, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mother... My dad's favorite comic strip. And I actually have a, a flip book here in my apartment, um, which I might do maybe in a couple of weeks for what we're reading as well. It's a Mother, Goose, and Grimm kind of collection. Ah, very cool. And he loves Mother, Goose, and Grimm. And to the point where, like, I would always... You know, we'd be reading. You know, he'd be reading Parade and just uh, the, the the Syracuse Post Standard on Sundays, and I'd be reading comics. And I come across Mother Goose and Grimm, and uh, I go, "Dad, look at this!" And he just look at, it and he just started laughing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, so I mean, yeah, comic strips, man, they're, they're important because if you really think about, it, like, a lot—that's a lot of work. I mean, if you think about doing weeklies, like like a Colin Bonner, or Drew Moss, having to work, do weekly stuff or monthly stuff. Have imagined to do a daily thing that, that's a but, lot, man you know seven days a week or had to take, like had to, it's like, kind of like South Park you know like that you know you put a show in together in like half a week you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying you, you know and it's like I gotta put a week's worth of content and week's worth of, of comic strips together and send it off in, in under a week and and it's, it's, just, and
0: it's writing. And art and story. I mean, you have got to come up with all of this different stuff in such right. a short amount of time, and you've got to come up with new, original ideas every time. And it and it doesn't always follow a set story. As a matter of fact, in comic strips, it hardly ever follows a set story. So, no. coming coming up with something new every time that's not easy to do i mean we sit here sometimes we're preparing for the show and we say you know what do we want to talk about for main topic this week and it takes a couple of days of us kicking ideas around before we finally settle on something so right. to have to do it every day that that's i mean hats off to those guys
1: exactly but i mean like i said like you know beetle bailey was one family circus i can never get into family circus with your good morals and your Fucking non humor. I think go, that part of go the Go fuck yourself. I Family think part circus. of the
0: thing about Family Circus was that it was that one comic that was just one bubble, and yeah. that was it. I think that and was, all,
1: what, and it was one bubble too much.
0: That was what intrigued people about it, though, and that's what makes people remember it because it was the one strip on the page that was just one square, one circle, one group of people, For one, and a few lines. That this, was it.
1: There was just like one, there's you know just one. So I love to read a see a family circus where like the dad gets busted for coke possession, or the mom like is having an affair with her boss, or or her the dad comes home and the mom's just getting pounded on the couch. This you is know, not
0: just. this is not NF, the, this is not NFL family circus.
1: <laughs> oh Jesus!
0: This is this is regular family circus. It's a family show. Um. No, I understand what you're saying. Let it let it go off the rails, family guy. Just like style. off the rails.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you, you know, uh, uh, the dad gets fired and just goes on a rampage and just you know just destroys the house. And... He
0: goes all he goes all Michael Douglas and falling down. Yeah, <laughs> or he goes
1: he or he goes, uh, you know, or he, he goes all uh, Jack Nicholson and The Shining, pretty much. Oh
0: yeah, that would that would definitely kick it up a notch.
1: Yeah, or you know, one of the kids, you know. Gets dysentery and and you know okay, while, now, play, while while playing Oregon Trail I
0: was gonna say now this is Oregon Trail Family Circus you're just exactly we're just you're you're Mr. Spinoff when it comes to Family Family Circus right now
1: exactly why the <laughs> hell not but I mean no like there was like there was one that was like an information one was called Ask Shag and that was like an information mm. like people sending questions and it was actually like very inf- informational like it's like Dear Abby for for young people pretty much um I mean. And you know, oh, God, uh, Shoe was another one I love. I mean, it's just you think about it, like you know, a lot of the the humor, a lot of the com- the comedic comic strips, unlike some like the Phantom and stuff like that. You know, um, you, you know, you you see it, and it's a lot of adult humor. Yeah, it like, is. It's a lot of adult humor.
0: And, and and one of the ones that I always liked too was uh, was Dennis the Menace. Was always one that that uh, that I liked as a, as a comic strip. <laughs> Yeah, that oh that my. was that was always a funny one for me. I'm like, I'm like, why doesn't somebody beat this kid's ass yet? You know, <laughs> no. as an,
1: as why? an adult, you kind of start to feel that way. Why doesn't Mister Wilson just like beat the shit out of him or something? Like, you know, I mean, Mrs. Wilson was always that. Now, how George? Yeah,
0: boys will be boys.
1: Oh, boys will be boys. You know, but I mean, you know, you look at it, it's like. <sighs> Yeah, why there's like maybe this is the week that Dennis gets his hand smacked or whatever? Um, and this isn't 2014 rules either. This is back no, in the day where you,
0: could, where you could beat your kids with a wrench and nobody would care, kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know why Mr. Wilson does just say, okay, this isn't my kid,
1: but enough's enough here, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, you know, you look at the humor like Rugrats when I was first found out, like when I was. The first time I ever saw Rugrats in a comic strip, this was after the Rugrats movie, I believe, came out. They're like, mm. the fact that they're like, "Hey, we're not going comic book route; we're going comic strip route." And it actually, was fun. Like, it's just still in there, and it's fun. You know, growing up in the nineties, I watched Rugrats. That's an extra that's an extension of it, and it was it was it was really really funny and great.
0: I think it's great that that. Comic strips morphed their way into the the realm of television and, and sometimes even movies. Like, take the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas special is a perfect oh, example yes. for me about how how iconic is that. Well, I'm sure we'll, when we have our holiday episode, we'll talk about stuff like this. But, I mean, how iconic is that piece in? In your holiday traditions for your family, so it's not just the, the and the strip is where that all started, and yeah. even the, even the Charlie Brown Halloween special, and I got to you know sit down with my son and and watch that for the first time, granted he can't really appreciate it, and he won't remember it, but it's something I'll remember, you know, and that started because of Charles Schultz's comic strip. And it's just funny to see how you forget that, you know? You almost forget that that's really where it started because you remember it as something else. But without its origins, I guess is the best way to say it, that kind of stuff wouldn't even be here.
1: Oh, exactly. You know, and that's the thing. is you look at this, and you say to yourself... Well, let's see what can we go from here, and what can we do, and you know, and you know, how can we make this thing better, and just keep on going more and more and more. And you look at it, and it's just like, you know, when you look at these older comics, these strips, the one thing that differs, I think, now, and when you look at you know their dailies, there has this anonymity about them, like people. They're unrecognized. I think they're probably some of those unrecognized right. things when you talk about comics. When you talk about comics, what's the first thing that people's minds go to? Comic books, right. you know, and stuff like that, graphic novels. Um, they don't go really to the comic strips. I mean, that's where I think a lot of kids, I think, should start when it comes to reading and getting the comics. Right. Start them off small, you know, the comic strips are only like three to five panels per mm-hmm. one or two word bubbles a thing. By the way, I got to say this. One of the fa- most famous, my f- most favorite, and you got to check this out, and I think all our listeners should do this too. Okay, Garfield, all right? You know how he live with John? Yes. Well, there's a website called Garfield Without Garfield, and what the person's done, has they've done is taken all the Garfield comic strips and erased Garfield from them, so it's just John, and John looks like a manic, depressed person. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's That's wild. It's that like wild. Yeah. It's like one of them is like, you know, he's supposed to be talking to Garfield. It's kind of like, today would be a great day to, uh, eat pot, pa- you know, eat pasta, make, you know, make like a whole plate of lasagna. And it's like, and the next panel, is like him, hey, like with that sad depressed, look like, yeah, you would eat all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, 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 and it's, it's Garfield without Gar- Garfield minus Garfield. And it's it's, it's, Garfield minus net. So go on there. Like, I just posted a new one up yesterday. It's John. He has this depressed look on his face. He goes, I remember happy. And then it's just a, nothing with him. He's just looking down depressed. it was, Where have all the memories gone? We'll we'll post
0: the f- link for that on our Facebook. Oh, we will page. definitely post the link for Facebook it. Facebook.com slash down and nerdy. But I mean, I think to your point about starting kids off uh, with this, I mean, we're not really a newspaper age anymore, and, and that, I think that's going to hurt comic strips a lot, but think about it. When you were younger, and your parents would always sit at the table, and, and, and they would read the paper, most of the time daily, but especially on Sunday, and the paper, when you're a kid, it's always, it was always like that mature thing. It was like a just-for-adults kind of thing, but then your, your mom or your dad would take out the funny pages and hand them across the table to you to read your comic strips. And it was almost like you felt like you were included in this adult thing. And, and I I don't think I'm overstating it by saying that that kind of thing can be a bonding experience for a child and, and his mother or his father or both that you're being included in what, what is seen kind of as a very adult mature thing, but there's something fun for you in it as well.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is it's that bonding experience. You know, it's like we, as kids, you know, as you get to more of a technology-based society, I think there's less and less things, uh, you know, that a parent can do. I think it makes it
0: harder. It's, it's interact, yeah. That, yeah, and something that should make it easier because of technology, it actually makes it harder for you to find those those simple little bonding experiences that maybe we're taking for granted as a as a society.
1: Exactly. I think, you know, it's, it's that bonding. Like, people think, like, oh – and that's the kind of thing is when you, when you, know, you tell somebody like, that's a girl your or, or, or uh, your girlfriend or boyfriend or kid or whomever, you know, let's just stay home and read. You know, let's just read a book. And it's like, but we're not gonna be talking to each other, we're not gonna be doing this. Like doesn't matter, like if I'm reading a comic and I got my girl over and you know, I'm laughing at something or I'm like going, Holy shit, you know, she'll ask me, What is it? Mm-hmm. you know, that kind exactly. of thing. So I mean and that's the thing
0: I think that's the point that, that people aren't are, aren't getting is that the written word was one of the first things that provoked discussion amongst people in groups and and that's not and I know that you know there's water cooler chatter about TV and, and there's a lot to talk about so I'm not saying that there's nothing to talk about because people aren't reading I'm not saying that I'm not an idiot but I, I think that you got to remember where it all started and without comic strip uh, quite frankly without comic strips there might not be marvel movies and there might
1: not be dc movies and tv shows or there might like even be then it might even be a dc comics or a marvel comics
0: right there there might not be because without superman taking off as a comic strip lord knows where we are with with in in society today. Now you know there's certain things that might have still made them exist, but you know it's the path you take. And again, it's almost like it was that slow burn. We talked about that earlier when we were talking about Gotham and the others on the other shows. It's that slow burn that it started off as a strip, then a collection of strips in a book, then comic books, and then animated shows, TV shows. There's your evolution right there. Evolution. If you, it's it's like time travel. You go back in time, you change one thing in the past, and what what happens to the ripple effects? You take comic strips and pull them out of the equation, and what do you have? We have no way of knowing, and I don't think we want to know.
1: Exactly, I, I think that you know the, one of the final things I'm going to talk about here is you know comic strips get their own adaptations in television, whether it's through a special. Um, or Dilbert, for example, got its own TV show after years yep, yep. of just being, uh, you know, a strip. And for the longest time, it's kind of funny, for the longest time, I actually thought Dilbert was actually modeled after Drew Carey.
0: I, I, I think you're not the only one that thought that. I really don't think you're the only one that thought that, especially anybody that watched the Drew Carey show. That's, oh, an, yeah, that's yeah. an easy that's an easy dot to connect, if you ask me.
1: Oh, God, exactly. But, I mean, and if, you know, so before I wrap up, James – Final thoughts, what's your take on, you know, some of your favorite comic strip, without going to holiday episodes, favorite comic strip um, TV shows, let's say.
0: Uh let's see favorite comic book I mean comic strip TV shows I always liked Garfield and Friends Yes, was, was my favorite I think if we're going to adapt it from comic strip Garfield and Friends I thought was was the pinnacle and and I think that what they did with the with the uh with the farm
1: yeah. the, the other oh, cartoon
0: yeah. that they had with the oh god I can't think of the uh, the pig's name now Yeah I know I, I know exactly what you're talking I, I can't exactly, think I, of I can't think of his name off the top of my head but uh, Orson Orson. Uh, I think that putting that in there, at first, you're kind of like, when you see it the first couple times, you go, why are they throwing this in a Garfield cartoon? And then as you watch it, it's like, this is a good cartoon. You actually yeah. used Garfield to springboard this and it worked so well. And that's why they called it Garfield and Friends. And the End Friends thing kind of made it for me. Even though I loved Garfield, it was nice to see another, uh, another cartoon series be kind of spun off of that. So to me... I just and maybe it's an easy answer, but I think it's it's the right answer. that Garfield is was the gold standard of Garfield and Friends was the gold standard of an adaptation from a strip
1: to a TV series. Exactly. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Down Nerdy. Thirty-six episodes in the book, James. It feels like we've done a thousand.
0: It really does, and that's in in a good way too. And it it feels like we've done a thousand, but at the same time, it almost feels like it's still it's still fresh. You know, it's almost (laughs) like we we kind of just started. It's 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 still that that excitement is still there, you know.
1: Exactly. So don't forget to look us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash down nerdy. On Twitter at down seven five seven. I'm on Twitter at mert with one mouth. Let me restart that. <laughs> I sure as hell. Hope you've got one mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Let me restart that. <laughs> Let me restart that. Okay. Three, two, one. And that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Don Nerdy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> don't fuck yourself
0: <laughs> okay I'll, I'll get it together I promise here we go All right. okay.
1: uh. Uh. <laughs> don't forget to follow us as always on facebook facebook.com slash Donnerdy I'm on twitter at Donnerdy757 and at Nick with one arm James <laughs> you're going to want to do that again because you're at Mark with one arm not at Nick oh with one arm. <laughs>
0: god damn <it>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> oh fuck.
1: Oh boy. Uh, see it's in your head now. <laughs> it's in my head. All right, three, two, one. Don't forget to look us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash downnerdy. Also on Twitter at downnerdy seven five seven. I'm at Nick with Oh god damn it. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> Megan stop Oh god, this is this is great. I, I, I can tell you're tearing up. This so. is great. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Hey, this happened to me once already, so this is it's your turn.
1: <laughs> okay. <sighs> Don't get the falls. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay okay got composed ourselves is, this is, this is where it happens right here all right compose <sighs> don't forget to follow us on facebook facebook.com down nerdy give us a like also at Twitter at dina 757 I'm at Merck with one arm James I'm at James ace with him and of course don't forget you can always send us emails to
0: down and nerdy podcast at gmail.com and hey we still want you to bombard Robin Lord Taylor John Behrman. tell him hey you want to be on Dan and Nerdy because the kind of stuff that goes on in this show, not your typical show, not your typical interview. And we love that you're helping us move the show along and helping us make the show better with your support because without you guys, it's just a white noise machine.
1: Exactly. And also, we have a couple of things coming up in a few months, in a couple of months. Can't say where they are right now, but we are playing some big, big things, James, and I'm very excited about them. You know what I'm talking about.
0: It'll be a chance for you to actually... Interact with us, in the flesh, out in person. That much we can tell you that we do have some things cooking, and you will have a chance. You know, because people have asked us. You know, when are you guys going to be doing another live broadcast? When can we come out and hang out and be a part of the show? Things are happening, people. Things yep. are coming. That's that's all we can say.
1: Yep, and uh, if you have a, you know. Also, check out our buddy Bob or at Fantasy Scape Comics and Cards in Aragorn Boulevard, Virginia Beach. Uh, he's got a lot of great stuff. Actually, a couple of people told me they went to see him the other day because of our recommendation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, thanks David Dave and Busters because, I mean, for and for Geek Trivia because in video game heaven, that was, such a, that was so much fun. I actually Hard got word from them that uh, they actually like our memes. For me, Monday. Ah, very cool.
0: Well, everybody seems to love Meme Monday. And thanks for posting yours, too, by the way, if you've ever posted any memes.
1: Yep. And as always, I leave y'all with this saying always try to save comic book reading, everybody. Always bagging board your comics.